Luke chapter 12. We're in this series on the wisdom of Jesus. And, you know, I've, I've never done a series where I've been more aware of the need for this in our culture. It, it screams, you know, that we're, we, need, we need wisdom. And we, we're, we're, our schools need wisdom. Our, our academic uh, places need wisdom. Uh, not more about knowledge, but wisdom. It's kind of like this. You know, for a couple years, I, I would preach and get done and walk and be a cripple all day for being on my feet. It, I just had terrible foot issues. Terrible. And I would walk because I know you got to walk to whatever, and I'd get done walking. I'd be like a cripple. And so I had prayer over them. People laid hands. People just finally I was in a shoe store, and I was trying on a pair of shoes, and, and the guy said, well, let me measure your foot. I said, dude, I've been a 10 since high school. He said, well, let me measure your foot. And he put me in one of those, just squeeze your foot. He goes, dude, you're an 11 and a half. <laughs> now, all the faith in the world isn't going to fix that, shoe, that foot problem. I needed a bigger pair of shoes. That's called wisdom. I needed some insight beyond my limitations of what I thought. And I was 10 all through. Now I'm, 11, I'm, I'm up to 12. That's still going. Gravity takes its toll, and the poor feet are suffering from it. But now I don't have any foot pain. I'm just, I'm healed by wisdom. So there's a lot of things in your world, if you pay attention in this series, you're going to experience some healing. Beyond a miracle, it's called wisdom, applying God's principles to your life. That means you make adjustments, and you make changes that And they're not always that significant. I mean, you'd think, wow, you know, buying a bigger pair of shoes. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? But it was, it was powerful in my world. And, and they weren't just wide. They were wider shoes and bigger. So I had to go deep and wide, deep. And, there, there's a, and so, so yeah, I'm hoping, as last week in Luke 12, we talked about this rich guy who God called a fool. Never good, but he had prospered. But his prosperity captured his heart, and all he could see was he's storing up for the future to have ease and success and security, and, and, and basically didn't need God because he had all the things he saved up. Again, we said it's not against saving, it's not against planning, and it's certainly not against having wealth. The whole story was it's about what your treasure is. This guy's treasure was all on earth. And so when God came to him and said, this night I'm going to take your soul, he was reminded because remember he said it's my barns, my crops, my, 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 my. And God says, oh, by the way, you belong to me. I'm the creator, and you're going to answer to me. And God took his soul. Now, who's he to do that? God. Where did the soul come from? God. Where did this life come from? God. But we tend to forget all that. He thought he'd done all he needed to do. So we, we applied some principles last week, if you weren't here, just to remind you to fight against the possessions capturing you. And the first one was learning to honor God with your finances. And, and you can practice that today. Give. And it's not tip God. Give God 10%. That's what he asked for. The rest of it's still his but you steward that, and it doesn't rule you, you steward it. And I really believe that there's some of you here that God wants to entrust with more finances, but he's got to see that you can handle it because it's a bigger responsibility to have more, to be able to steward it 
in a way that pleases him. So now, with the abundance of possessions, the warning, Jesus is going to move into worry. So we're going to talk about anxiety this morning. Again, that none of you probably have a problem with that, uh, worry, anxiety. But you may meet somebody someday that has some anxiety and worry and fear that they're struggling with. All right, Jesus comes out of the box right after this rich guy telling that he should have been rich towards God. He was bankrupt towards God, rich towards himself and the world. You can't, you can't, have, you can't have God's wealth spiritually without putting God first uh, in, in your life. Now, Jesus comes out in Luke 12, verse 22. He says, uh, uh, says to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, and your body, what you will wear. Let me just say, he's not saying that uh, 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 those are the only things that God will take care of. He's saying these are the least things. And it's interesting, he contrasts your, your life and your body with your clothes and your food. In other words, your life is a bigger gift than any groceries, food, home, possession you'll ever have. He says, so it's kind of a, just right out of the box, he says, don't worry about your life. Now, he's reminding them that their life comes from God. It's a gift. If God gives you life, he's going to take care of you in other ways. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Verse 23, life is more than food and the body more than clothes. And then he says, consider the birds. Now, this is the wealth of the wisdom of Jesus. He's not going to do some esoteric, you know, you know, UFO landed and came out, and the guy said, blah, 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 and that's how you live life. He's going to say, look over here, this bird I made. I want you to watch him for a minute. And, you know, and, and my wife and I love birds. You can judge me all you want. I, I love, when I was a little kid, I shot birds. Uh, and I don't mean that too, but I, I, I literally, my mom, you know, just let it, I, my backyard was a big yard and had a baby gun. And I'd, I would, I would, I would be so upset if some kid did that in my yard now, but I'd shoot birds all day long and line them up at the end of the day. And, and I, I just didn't know. I mean, I, 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 I love birdies now. Uh, and, and they're, they're, you know, they're God's creation. And he says, watch that bird, he says. Notice that raven or that crow. And he said, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't have a, a storeroom or a barn, yet God feeds them. Now, he's not advocating here laziness. They'll just be like a bird. You don't have to go to work. You don't have to sow your seed. You don't have to be diligent. No, that's not the point. The point is, birds aren't anxious, they're not striving over, is it going to rain? I don't know, Bert, do you think it's going to rain? I know it hasn't rained. And so we could, you know, if it doesn't rain, we're in trouble here. No, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a rest. There's a, there's a peace on birds to just, they're living life. They're not worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. They live in the moment. They're going to go eat that insect, or they're going to go get that fish out of the water for an osprey, or they're, they're, they're just living in the moment. And so Jesus says, watch them. Do you see them? Anxi- Birds don't die of anxiety. Birds don't get consumed and need to be medicated. There's a rest on birds, and here's what he says. God feeds them. Don't miss this. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Now, listen to me. I love 
animals, and creation. I just do. I, I love to watch shows about it. I worship watching them, even though they they're always have a little edge on some political, they're going to get to their, you know, the whole global, you know, anyway. But I watch it, and then evolutionists comes out in some of the shows, and I just, I just watch the majesty and the beauty of God, and whatever it is, and the lakes, and the waterfalls, and the oceans, and the, and, you know, it's just, I'm, a, I, I'm an environmentalist in that sense. I, I love earth. I love what God made of earth. I think we're to steward earth, be careful of earth, care for earth. But at the same time, we live in a culture, and this is where wisdom will challenge. We live in a culture where a bird is equal to a baby. That's our culture. And in fact, you could argue some birds are more important than some than any baby. If you walked up and, and, and you found a, a bald eagle nest and you climbed up there and you took that egg out and said, hey, put this on Facebook, wham, they'll be at your door and you're going to jail. Now, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. I mean, that's stupid. It's evil. It's, you know, it's a pretty, if you took a panther, Florida panther, and you caught the mama giving birth, and as she gave birth, just as the head popped out, you slit the throat. Because that mama didn't really want to care for that baby because that's a lot of work. You go to jail. But you can do that to an eight-month-old baby in a womb in some states. And that's called freedom. No, that's called foolishness. It's not wisdom. It's not God's way of living in trees. So it, 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 you, can, you can respect animals. I, my dog, I'm not sure if my wife had to pick between Bentley and me. It'd be a toss-up. She, Bentley never hurts her feelings. Bentley is never, you know, he just, he, he loves his mommy. He loves, you know, but if you said to me, it's Bentley or the grandbaby, boom. He's done. I'll shoot him right then. I'd have tears. I'd be sorry, but I'm not going to compare that dog to my grandchild. Uh, and, and that's our culture. It doesn't mean you can't love your animals, but have a perspective. People aren't just creatures. They're made in the image of God. We're more valuable than any animal on the planet, uh, no matter how restricted they are. We are God's people as children. It's like, that's my kids. That's my child. In other words, Jesus is, is attacking the tree of worry, the roots, uprooting it by starting with, do you know how valuable you are to God? And if you're that valuable, then you've got to stop worrying about the things that you're worrying about when you know how valuable. If God takes care of these things that are far less, Jesus died on the cross, not for my dog. He died on the cross for me and for you. He, we're in his image. We needed redemption. We needed him to show his incredible Love, and if he did that for me, if I'm that valuable, I think he'll take care of the needs of my life. So that's number one. You're more valuable. Number two, then he says down in verse 26, since you cannot, I'm sorry, let me read uh, 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 the rest of verse 24. And yet God feeds them, and how much more valuable are you than the birds? Verse 25. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Or some older versions translate add a foot to your stature or extend your, your height to, 
you know, whatever, you know, makes you feel secure. And either one is basically Jesus is saying, not only are you valuable, you're absolutely out of control with changing the very things that are most important. You can't add time to your life if God says, this day your soul is required of you. You can't say, well, just, just I'm going to force one more day. No, you don't get one more day. You're allotted a number. This is my view. You're allotted a number. Now, you can certainly shorten your life by horrible decisions and, and bad, you know, but, but, but God has allotted days if you're going to walk with him. And I believe when, that until my days are up, then I'm, I'm good. And I don't have to worry to think, God, could you add one more day? No, or one more hour. I, I can't change that. And so he says worrying is so ineffective, it'd be different if worrying could help something. And, and I, how many of you have ever worried somebody into their life changing? Has that ever happened? I'd like to see your hand. You've worried somebody into changing their life. You worried something into changing. You, you can't. It's just like you, we don't have that. Worry is so ineffective because you can't touch the things. you. Usually the people you're worrying about, you're worrying about them more than they're worrying about their own problem. Isn't that true? That's called codependency. So I think I'm worrying about your problem more than you. I know it's been true with my kids growing up. I know it's true with my grandkids. I worry way more about them than they worry about themselves. And they need to worry about themselves a little bit. By the way, not all worry is bad. Not all concern is evil. You've you got to understand that, that, that there are things you ought to be concerned about. That, you ought, that ought to keep you awake at night. Like your soul. That ought to bother you if you're not in a good place with Jesus. That ought to bother you. And that doesn't bother you. And you're worried about all these other things. Let me tell you something. You can get all those other things right. You get that wrong. You missed out. You, you, there are things that, to be concerned about. There's things to pray about. There's things to, that, 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 you know, your, your loved one's going to have surgery. I have a dear friend. They watch online. She's on a list. Or just finally got on it to get a, a liver transplant. Now, they're, 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 they're not living in anxiety, but there's deep concern. Her bags are packed like if she was pregnant because they're going to get a call that says, come get the liver, and they'll go. And that's, yeah, you don't think their family doesn't have concern and a burden, but at the same time, the root word for worry in these verses means to choke or to strangle. Having a concern, a burden, or being even anxious about something is different than being choked out like they would in MMA and you're tapping out and you've lost your joy, you've lost your peace, you've lost your, your strength, you, you've, you've given yourself over to worrying in a situation that can't change anything. So Jesus says you're too valuable for that and you have no power to change things, so stop worrying about what you can't change. It's not your job. God says, I've got tomorrow. Really? Let, let me worry about it a little more. No, I've got tomorrow. But, but you don't know what, how many of you woke up on 2001, 9-11, and said today there's going to be a crisis that's going to rock our world? Who woke up and felt that way? You're dishonest if you raise your hand. And nobody did, because none of us. I knew where I was. I was right back there praying. I was just a typical day. But when they hit, first thing you did, you called your wife. Second thing, you figure out where your kids are. I want to get them home right now. 
We didn't know if it was three planes or 300 planes, did we? We'd never been assaulted. I'd never, we'd lived, uh, I wasn't alive when Pearl Harbor happened, and that wasn't really on American soil. I know you could argue the territory or whatever, but you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know. I don't, I, I, I went back as we were worshiping, I was thinking through some of the things in my life. That phone call that said, hey, your nephew just killed himself. I, I, I know where to put. I never had a, or the, the note from my dad that said, you know, after 32 years of marriage, uh, I'm divorcing your mother. I, I didn't, I never went to bed at night worrying about that. I never thought about, I never, I never thought about them divorcing. It never entered my world. I, I never thought about a nephew taking his life. I never thought when the police called and said, Mr. Stilson, we found your daughter's car. It's flipped upside down. There's blood all over the car, but we can't find any bodies. I didn't go to bed that night thinking I'd get that call. You, you, you can't lay in bed thinking about all those things because usually the very things you worry about, they never happen anyway. You're all focused over here, and boom, it's over here. You can't, you, you don't, life's so random and, and I, you can't, you, you go, that's why Jesus said today, today, that's what you got. Don't worry about tomorrow. Let it take care of itself. You're going to need all you need for today. Now you might have a great day, but if you spend all your energy in tomorrow's worries, then you're not going to be effective today. You're not going to enjoy today. And so Jesus says, you're, you're, you're too valuable to worry, and you're too weak to worry because you can't do anything about it. If it's something you can do about it, why are you worrying? Make a phone call. Go do something. If you can fix it, do it. But usually things worry we can't control. The third thing he says in these verses, in verse um, 27, consider how the lily, and I love Jesus, said, now let's just look at flowers. I love flowers too. I, I love to bring my wife flowers. I, 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 she's, my, she's my flower. I love, I love her to see pretty things in the house. And, and, and I, I, I just, I love flowers. They're beautiful. And he says, hey, check the flowers out. They don't labor or spin. It doesn't mean they grow, but they're not, they're no, there's no anxiety about it. They're just being a flower. I'm getting soaking in the sun. Going to drink, drink in the rain. And I'm going to be a flower. And we don't live that way. We're consumed with our work. Most people hate their work. And that's so sad to me. It just, I'll never forget, and, and I've had this happen in different countries, but I was in Ethiopia, had to use the restroom, and this gentleman dressed nicely. He said in his Ethiopian accent, welcome to my office. I'm thinking, you're claiming this is your office? You get up every morning and you go scrub off of toilets and wipe up urine. And see, I'm telling you, I walked in, I've never seen a cleaner bathroom in my life. You could have sat down on the floor and had a hot dog. I mean, it was just, and I mean, when you're a little OCD, you're like, yes. I mean, I've been in high-end wealthy countries, Heathrow, worst bathrooms I've ever been in in my life. I mean, I could traumatize you with my experience in Heathrow. It was horrible. He needed an office. So, but can you imagine this guy? What's he get? Dad's going to work. What are you doing, Dad? I'm going to wipe up people's off of toilet seats. And I'm going to keep that bath. Bathroom's going to sparkle. It's going to shine. 
I was, I pulled my wallet out. I, of course I gave him money on the way out. You know, it, it, better than people standing around saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. Go wash a toilet. Do something. Stop begging. It's not going to help. Welcome to my office. What if you went to work tomorrow? Whatever you do, he's doing it because he, he smiled. He was happy. And he did a good, now I don't know if he had faith, I didn't have, you know, but what a way to honor God is to be a lily and enjoy your work. Well, you can't change your boss, you can't, and maybe you're going to get a different job, that's fine, but for now, be a lily. Go to work like a flower. Stop killing yourself over it. It's not going to help any. My dad buried himself because of anxiety. I'm I'm preaching this from, from, he was a contractor. And, and he built big, big, tall buildings, and, and millions were at stake. And he would often say, if this job falls through, it's going to bury me. And it did. He, he didn't know how to disconnect. He didn't know how to be a flower and say, you know, let me just enjoy God's provision. I'm going to do my part, but I can't do God's part. You're a terrible God. Let me help you. You'd be a miserable God. You'd burn up and blow up everything if you were God. Look what you're doing with your own life. You make a mess out of it. You need a God to lead you. I need a God. I need wisdom. I don't know what to do, how to do it. Every new step of life is a new step. Be getting married, oh my goodness, did I need wisdom. Still do. Having children, oh lordy, you got to have lots of wisdom. How do you deal with your finances? How do you care? How do you, how do you, now you got grandkids, now you're getting old. If, you, if I thought I needed wisdom, you need more wisdom the older you are because you got less strength. You better get some wisdom. It's not how hard you can swing the axe anymore. It's how sharp is it? Sharpen that axe. You better be razor sharp because your bounce back's gone. And you're like, God, what? What? Help. Give me wisdom. Teach me how to say no to things. Teach me how to have healthy boundaries. Teach me how to have good priorities. That's what wisdom does. It's not easy. Telling people, no, I, I don't, I can't do, no, no. You know how hard it was as a pastor to learn to tell people no? It was destroying me to tell people no. I can't do every funeral. I can't do every wedding. I can't go to every birthday party, every graduation. I can't counsel everybody. I used to do all of that, all of it. Me, it was me and me as my staff. There may be a secretary. And you know what? You can have a little bitty church that way. But if you have a church this big and you try to do that, you either don't have a life or you don't have a marriage. And I've nearly lost both. I know what it is to say, God, I need your wisdom. It's going to change how I live. If you're going to overcome anxiety and you can't learn to tithe, forget it. You'll never do it. You'll never, if you can't learn to honor God with your finances, you're not going to do it because you have no grounds to stand on with God. You can't say, God, I've done my part. You've got to do yours. You can't do both parts. So Jesus said, hey, pay attention to the flowers. Even Solomon in all of his glory wasn't dressed like one of them. I'm going to dress you. That's what we did that Christian wardrobe series. And when you come to Jesus, he puts clothes on you that no lily will ever match, and certainly nothing Solomon wore as a king. He puts the robes of Jesus on us, the robes of righteousness. It's a gift. 
That's what, if you could see me dressed this morning, that's what I'm wearing. If I could see you in worship, you were dressed like a priest in worship because that's how grace dresses us. And it's not something that's going to go out of style. It's not something that's going to wear out. It's something that's going to endure forever. So stop worrying about things that aren't going to last and stand in the things that God's given that will last forever. Then Jesus says this in verse um, 28. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow stone under the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not set your heart on what you're going to eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. Don't miss this. And your father knows that you need them. Your father knows. When I grew up watching a show called Father Knows Best. It's a great show. Dad didn't always know best, but we tried. It's just a little fantasy in Hollywood, but, but I can tell you what, your heavenly father always knows best. He knows what you need. He knows what you don't need, even when you think you need it. See, worry is a horrible witness to who God is. It basically says you have a little bitty God. He's not very powerful, and he can't do much to help. And so I'm worried. You know, I got to thinking about it growing up. And again, I know this isn't everybody's story. My dad had lots of weaknesses, but he was a good man, a hard worker, and he was a good provider. I didn't know the times when we were uh, totally had no money. He, he never, I'm, I'm a kid. When we went to our darkest times financially, I was six years old. And my dad had to reinvent himself, and we had moved to Fort Myers. And, and I, later, he told me about how, you know, we just he had nothing. He had to uh, reinvent himself. I never got up one morning and shook him and said, Dad, are we going to eat today? There was always something in the icebox. Now, I get it. I know that's not everybody's world. I never worried about, you know, are we going to have a place to live? Now, I feel, I know, can you, you know, kids today, there's a plague on our society with children and anxiety. It's a plague. Now, I'm not blaming it all on families, but a lot of it has to do with broken families kids growing up without a dad, kids growing up without a functional parent, and you, you got kids eight years old that are full of anxiety. Some of it's video stuff, the internet stuff. There's a, there's a plethora of, uh, we want to deal with just the, the, the symptoms in our culture, and we don't, we don't want to research the fact that a lot of the medicine that they're giving to our children is really, if you, if you look at the statistics, it's, it's not good. It's not healthy. Now, again, I'm not advocating not to medicate, medicate, but be careful, and you better have a healthy distrust at the health department of this world. You better have a healthy distrust that meds are the solution to your anxiety, even as an adult. I'm not saying it's never right to take some med to help you get over a tough patch. But if you don't get down to the roots, you're just medicating superficially. Jesus wants to go much deeper. He wants you to have a relationship that you have a God that's a good, good father. And he cares. He knows what you need. He's not oblivious to it. He's not helpless to help you. 
See, worry says, God's not going to come through. Worry says, I'm not going to make it. Worry says, it's choking me. It's choking me. And God says, you don't trust me. Do you know how that breaks his heart? Have you ever thought of worry as a sin? Not to heap guilt on you, but it's no different than, than lying. It's no different than, than, than pride or, or anger or lust. Worry is a sin. Why? Because it, 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 it disgraces our, the God we say we belong to. And some churches exemplify like God's going out of business, that God's in trouble. And they beg for money and they beg, you know, it's like my, my sense is if you're doing what God wants you to do, he'll pay the bills. He just always has and I believe he always will. If you get your priorities in line, I'm not going to say you won't go through hardship, but, but God's not bankrupt. He don't care what happens with the stock market. He's, a, he's, a good, he's, he's got what it takes and what you need. Do you trust him? And that's really what Jesus is getting to in the last point. So one is you're, you're more valuable than anything. Number two, you can't do anything. Worry is worthless. It's worse than that. It's evil. It's, it's, it's unproductive. It's unhelpful. It's, 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 it's insane to say I believe in the God that made the universe, sits on the throne and rules over the world, but I don't know if he's going to be able to do this. I better help him and worry a little bit. No. And then it's the confidence that he's a good God. He knows. And Jesus, that's just not that he's smart. It means he cares. And then Jesus closes with this. He says, verse 31, but seek first. It doesn't say that Matthew has the word first. It's implied here. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you. So the alternative to worry is seek his kingdom. What does that mean? It means to treasure God above everything else. And here's the deal. Most people today, maybe you honestly answer this, not out loud, but yourself. Is it okay, and I'd say in culture, especially in church culture, most people would answer yes to this question. Is it okay if you just put the kingdom of God second? Isn't that good enough? I mean, it's not last. It's a lot of things it's ahead of, but it's just not first. Is that okay? If you say, if I said to my wife, you know, honey, you're, 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 you're the second wife. You're going to be, you'll be good being second. Let me tell you something, my wife is ruthless to protect. She's not going to be second to anybody. She's mine and all mine. I'm hers and all hers. And if you want to see her get a, a, a mama bear hair up on the back of her neck, then mess with her husband. And you're going to get an earful. You're going to, you know, that's, that's just, she's protective of our relationship. And God's protective of his. God's not like, well, you know. I'm grateful that you got me on the list. I'm happy you think about me every now and then, maybe once a week. All right, I'm not first, but I'm, I'm not last. God does not tolerate that. He's a jealous God. He's like, you know, why would he want us to treasure him most? Because when I treasure him most, I get the most out of the treasuring. My heart's with him. My trust is with him. And you know what hit me in worship is that in heaven, there's going to be no anxiety. Now, that may seem like an obvious thing to you, but when we pray and sang and believe for his kingdom to be among us, there's no place for anxiety in his kingdom. It just doesn't. It's a contradiction. 
It says something else is in control or something is out of control or God somehow has lost control. But when you worship in the kingdom, that's why when we went through the book of Revelation, we talked about a view from the throne. We put those glasses on because what seems to be reality is not the reality from the perspective of God because he's got this. He's got this. Now, if I don't treasure him and I treasure here, I treasure stuff and I get it out of order, I'll never overcome anxiety. Anxiety is overcome by having a greater treasure, a different treasure, a treasure that's in God, a bank account in God, a faith in God, a love of Jesus that's beyond anything stuff can give me. So, worry, not good. Anxiety, worse. Fear, no. That's not what he wants his children living. You don't want your children living in fear. You don't want your children to eat up with anxiety. Would you want, would you want to live in a home where you come home and you say, son, wake up. I don't know if dad's going to be able to pay all the bills tonight when I pay, pay bills. I just wanted to let you know that before you went to sleep, son. What kind of dad would you be? Now, there's nothing wrong with a time of crisis to bring your children in and say, you know, hey, we're going through some hard times right now. We're going to have to tighten up. But you know what? God's never failed us, and he's not going to start now. You've got to teach your children faith. I don't care if they make, you know, the, the, the honor roll. Good. I'm happy. Any of my grandkids make honor roll? Good. I'm happy any sporting thing they win? Good. But I want their soul anchored in Jesus because there's a flood coming. It's coming. It doesn't take a, a, a psychic to see where this world's going. It's coming. It's, 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 it's just, and it's, it's not us as much as it's our children's children. And it's coming. You, you can't be so confused and broken over the basics of life and family and marriage and sexuality and, and, and right and wrong and, and what's valuable. And what's a, it's, it's coming. There's a, and, and when it collapses, we want to be people of kindness and mercy and be able to offer some wisdom. So it didn't work well running your life the way you wanted to run it. Maybe you want to try God's wisdom. Jesus has a different way, a different way of living, a different way of loving, a different way of finding peace in a world that's, you know, the Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will fail them because of anxiety. It'll kill people. It has. It killed my dad. Sure as I'm standing here, sure as someone shot him, my dad died of anxiety. Now, the, 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 what it said on his thing was esophageal cancer. Yeah, but, but he was eat up by fear of losing. And so he worked all that and left this money that ended up getting all that work, all that anxiety to leave it and have it just gone. 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 And so, you, 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 we've got to find wisdom. It's expensive. It costs humility and 
Oh, God, I, I, look at the mess I've made. Help me, Jesus, not just get out of this, but help me overcome this so that I'm not going to live in the attachment of stuff that rules me and fears me and causes me to choke by the threat of losing it. And so anything the enemy knows he can threaten you with and that when you get threatened by it, you paralyze and you curl up in a little ball and you suck your thumb and you give in, then he'll keep bullying you. I'm going to take this. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to rob you of that. You're not going to have this. You won't have that. When you get you, you're going to lose this. As long as he can bully you, he'll poke you in the chest, he'll back you off, and he'll choke you until you stand up and say, that's Jesus's. That belongs to him. And if you can take it from him, that's between you and him. I'm going to let you fight my battles, Lord. I can't fight them myself. I can't defeat the darkness that's trying to rob me. So I know my treasure is in Jesus. If you don't and aren't certain of that, you can settle that uh, this morning. Let's pray together. You know, maybe you've put your treasure in a relationship and it blew up on you. And you put your treasure in somebody else and they let you down. You put your treasure in a job and it's, it's just not, it, it's almost a good thing to learn that where you put the wrong, you put your treasures wrong, that you can wake up and say, Lord, I need to put my treasure in you, my love. Nothing's more valuable to you than your love and your trust. And giving that treasure to Jesus, because you tr- when you trust him, it makes, it's worship. It pleases him. It's when his children believe him that it pleases him. It's, it's treasuring him and our passions and our heart and our affections follow after that. If you're here this morning and you've not treasured Jesus as the most important thing in the universe in your life, then you can start this morning by a simple prayer saying, Jesus, please come be Lord of my life. Be my treasure. Just ask him, forgive my sins, Lord. But forgiving our sins is just part of it. He wants you to receive his love and his gift of life, eternal life. He not only gives us physical life, but at the new birth, when you receive Jesus, he gives you eternal life. Just just ask him right now. Whisper it. He hears you. You say, well, I've done so many things. I've let him down. I've failed. I've doubted him. I've, I've been... I got guilt. I've made horrible decisions. Yes, he knows. But that's why he died on the cross. You don't have to hide it from him. Let him cleanse it, wash it. So, Lord, I want to live with your wisdom. I want to live with your leading my life, not me leading it. Not even letting you be second place. I want you to be first place. Just ask him. And many of you maybe have done that, but you've drifted. And Jesus comes a a distant second to some of you. He's not first. And it, it's going to change your lifestyle uh, to let him become first. It becomes his, his, your life becomes his. Not just yours to do with in the American way, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, that's under the lordship of Jesus. 
if you take those things and put them ahead of Jesus, then you're not going to receive any of those things. Lord, give us uh, courage to listen to your wisdom on worry. Forgive us where we've worried and shrunk you down in our mind and our hearts. We've let the giants grow bigger by our worry instead of our God who beats the giants and defeats them. And whatever giants we're going to face tomorrow or the next day, they'll be there when we get there, and so will your grace and strength. So, Lord, let us just face the giants of today and not worry about the ones of tomorrow. They're in your care. Whatever we have to face today, we need the strength for the day, courage for the day, grace for the day. Come, Holy Spirit, in this time of commitment. In Jesus' name, amen.